0: We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions and we wanna learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it.
1: Hi, everyone, it's Kelly. We're honored to have Stefan Rivali as our special guest. Stefan helps professionals and organizations tap into the fullest power of the service opportunity. His Serve Conscious project merges his background in hospitality management with his training as a meditation teacher, mindfulness coach, and wellness content creator. He teaches techniques that empower professionals to build truly effective relationships with customers and themselves. By managing the inner challenges of work life and bringing mindful service principles everywhere, we can truly thrive and grow as people and businesses. So Stefan, we always like to start our podcast first by asking, what show podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking?
2: Yeah, well, thanks for having me, and I guess i'll start by talking about two boxes that I always like to tick in my learning and teaching, and that is the inner game, and I guess you can say the outer game, the action oriented aspect of skill building and uh, for the inner game, let's start with the outer actually the outer game I like um Uplifting Service by, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. <laughs> Ron Kaufman. Wow, Ron Kaufman, Uplifting <laughs> Service. Um, really, uh, really valuable book in terms of looking at every dimension of how to elevate service in your business. And I think just reconnecting us to how everything is service and how you work with your colleagues as service and how that is actually practiced for serving customers and all the dimensions of creating that Mm -hmm. culture there um, are explored in that book. So that's just a really good baseline uh, read that I keep coming back to um, in, in working with companies and their service programs. And I would say the inner game of service really is everything. And that's my main focus because there's plenty of work out there on the outer game on, on what you can do better, Mm -hmm. but how can you like be better? How can you actually cultivate the service mindset? And um, there's lots and lots of stuff I could draw on there, um, but I want to start everyone with uh, the self-compassion workbook, the mindful self-compassion workbook by Kristen Neff, who's um, a doctor of psychology and uh, also a, you know, a devout Practitioner of Buddhism. And uh, she puts that together basically into a system that helps you treat yourself better, talk to yourself better, relate to yourself better. And I realized that even after a decade of practice, I really wasn't doing that. And when I started doing that, I was able to relate to others a lot better. So I think that's really key for service. Even though there's a lot you can work on, uh, I now start with self compassion.
0: Hi. Hello. Welcome. We're so happy you're here. Thank you for joining us today. And I, first of all, we we talked earlier, right before we started recording, and you said, can I give more than one book and break the rules? And for constant listeners, they'll know, we always break the rules in this show. No one ever gives us one. And I love how you structured it, inner and outer game. And you're right that so many books are focused on what you need to do, elevating your skills, which is really important. And like you said, everything is service. Every interaction is service. It's how you make people feel. And your inner game, which is how to better yourself. And that's what we don't necessarily look at as much. And I'll definitely check out that book, Self-Compassion Workbook. There's a lot of people who need that. And I really like that. So thank you. That's very helpful, I think, for everyone. So the question, our main question is, what. Is the career, or not the career? What is the decision in your life that changed the trajectory of your uh, path, of your journey, and what charge qualities did you use to help you make that decision?
2: Yeah, I would like to again break the rules and tell the story Yay. in reverse. I'm going tarant- <gasps> to Tarantino this and say <laughs> and say that it was firstly the quality was courage, and I got to tell you what did not involve the most important aspects of courage in my life that I thought would. So when I was a young service professional uh, working in the hospitality industry, uh, I was kind of feeling like I needed to get out of my comfort zone and jump into other service cultures, other countries, travel the world, learn as much as I can via immersion. And that was a huge challenge for me. I actually had a lot of social anxiety and uh, it did feel like a big leap. And then once I was doing it, I thought, okay, well, I'm doing this, I should be happy. Like I should be fulfilled. I should be living the life. And actually I wasn't. I was just more and more deeply uh, insecure and uncertain and uh, kind of lost feeling
1: mm-hmm. as, a,
2: as just a person as well as a professional. So I uh, discovered somebody that was meditating uh, where I worked and they told me about meditation and that it was the most amazing thing they've ever done. And I was like, really? Well, that's not something I can see myself doing. And there's just these blocks that come up automatically. And that is, or at least was in my own life, uh, a courage matter, because it just suggested that I couldn't sit and be with myself and observe what's actually happening honestly and openly um, without being fearful of what I'd find. Um, So actually uh, learning meditation, meeting a teacher and um, then making this a daily practice that I committed to completely transformed my life. I was like, this is the missing piece the whole time. This is what I've lacked in my orientation uh, abilities to to kind of figure out myself, my strengths, my weaknesses, who I am, and just get rid of all of the, of the negativity in me that was actually uh, creating all of this anxiety and creating all these blocks I had uh, with connecting to people and connecting to my work. And feeling valued all of that stuff I realized I could access within myself um, by being a regular meditator, so um, that practice uh not only gave me a valuable tool but unlocked a passion of something that I uh, later wanted to teach and I guess i 'll tell you more about uh, what that became uh, for me, but it led to me becoming what I am now, uh, which is a meditation mindfulness teacher um, of a particular sort
0: oh, i let's let's go back to. When you you said you needed to break out and you wanted to go and, and put yourself in different different positions, but you still had this social anxiety around it. So how how did you know, first of all, what was that triggering you that said, I need to push myself, I need to break out? Like what triggered that? What was that thought process like?
2: Yeah, so let's let's rewind a bit to when I was sort of just developing. Mm-hmm. some semblance of confidence as a professional and actually i was i on the outside i would have seemed fairly arrogant maybe uh fairly bold fairly self-assured and maybe kind of snobby and that was just mm. to sort of protect myself you know mm. um and uh and i actually looked down on people that didn't have the same level of knowledge and taste as me uh, whether mm. it was my my coworkers or or people that i was serving mm-hmm. um i even still i got i got I moved up quickly. I got management jobs because mm-hmm. I, I worked hard and mm-hmm. I was dedicated and knowledgeable. And that that you know the hospitality industry in so many regards lacks that humanity. Well, they'll just yeah. reward hard work, uh, even if you're like not a, a culture fit or like right. a good with people. Um, so, uh, sure, to my benefit, great because it did challenge me to face tremendous limitations and um i'll go back to before i was managing i was actually uh, hanging out with one of my mentors and um and we were just like working and uh someone ordered a lame drink something i called lame one like (laughs) quote unquote right Right. and uh and and i I was trying to like you know uh connect with him and get him to validate me (laughs) i was like isn't this lame (laughs) and and he's like why can't you just give people what they want why is Mm. feeling like you're better than them more important interesting And I was like, because I'm, I'm in a war against bad taste and I Mm. have to win. And he goes, okay, if this is your mission, then tell me where are your favorite places to go and hang out and drink? Mm. And I, and I started to come up with places and a chill ran up my spine because none of them had good drinks or or at least cared about drinks in that way. They were all places I just enjoyed being because they made me feel good about myself. He goes, you see, you think you're selling drinks. You're not. And I was like, whoa, I was like, I I need to tap into myself as an emotional being. And I didn't know how to do that. So my my first impulse was radical change, I guess. Um, Okay, and um, and just and just learning from how others, I guess, uh, served and and were their authentic service oriented selves in other cultures, because I just felt like where I was I just felt like I was like stagnating. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I felt I had enough confidence in that regard that I could jump into another country. I had enough training and ability. Um, but I, but I knew I would struggle socially. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so what, so some people might say, okay, I'm going to, cause you're, you were set in the United States and some people say, well, maybe I'll move to a state that still jump of moving to another country. Was it just, you just wanted to shake yourself so hard that, that it, you would have, you would be forced to, to view things, but to move in what country did you choose
2: first to move to? Um, the country I chose first was the United States because I'm Canadian. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so uh, and, and that's kind of to give you like some context, that's the Canadian yeah. mindset more, you know, because it's yeah. like, this country is too big. It's too spread out. And yeah. there's not an, it's not dynamic enough. There's not enough Challenge here in that regard, you know, um, maybe it's too easy. Maybe it's we have this we have this funny like perception of our country. I don't think of it as that anymore, but I did as a young man, and um, I thought, okay, well, let's go to the United States because it's much more dynamic and full of like, I guess, more advanced um, hospitality industries. Okay, so uh, so yeah, so I went to uh, California, uh, and then from there, I went to Australia. Um, and then host- Australia for a Canadian is easy, like visa wise. Yeah. So okay. uh, and that was really challenging. And that was like, yeah, that got really dark. And that's where I learned meditation. Cause I was like really, really at a, at a, in a rough uh, place emotionally. Yeah.
0: What, um, I was going to say, tell me about the, the social anxiety, how you overcame it and then that, the dark place that you said in Australia and what you did, how you recognized it. And then, how you knew I'm going to try meditation?
2: Yeah, so I guess starting with social anxiety, I had not overcame it. I was simply like pushing against it and working with it, okay. and just at a constant war with myself until I learned meditation, and until I started to learn from from teachers uh, and and systematically sort of befriend myself. Mm. Uh, as a human being, uh, through meditation. Meditation, um, one of the like, ancient words for meditation is uh, gom in uh, Tibetan. That means to familiarize. And uh, it's a great way to simplify like, what you're actually doing when you're meditating um, for anyone that's kind of like, unsure of what it's about. So I had to become more familiar with myself. Um, and uh, self-compassion practices helped with that too, because you're learning how to speak to yourself mm-hmm. and look at yourself as though a friend would, as though someone that's friends with you would as mm-hmm. though you would actually want someone else to. Mm-hmm. And I started asking like, why can't I be that with myself? Mm-hmm. So uh, that, was a, that was a big practice and it takes years and year- took years and years for me to, to do it. Um, so I guess you could say that's how I began to, to work with social anxiety. They were, they were inner practices. They were meditative mm-hmm. practices. That's the best way that I know. Um, mm-hmm. But also um, doing that alongside a service-oriented job mm-hmm. where you're thinking outside of yourself, Mm. um a lot more and also selflessly serving in a way mm. where there's less stakes and i encourage anyone that's a service professional or a service leader to uh basically in little ways they don't have to like like devote themselves to a charity but i would like look around and just see how i could help people because i realized i was just in my own like 6 inches of space around me the whole time lost in my head and as soon as you say like this this person needs help crossing mm-hmm. the street. This person mm-hmm. dropped something and starting to pay attention to how am I speaking to cashiers? Mm-hmm. Like, am I being present and joyful with them? Am I speaking to them like I would want someone to speak to me in my own service job? And I began to like, think about all of these things. And that started to really ease a lot of that, that inner war that I had.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that, like you said,
0: that practice, uh, because it's a habit, because you, you mentioned and I was thinking, why didn't you friend yourself? And why weren't you being kind to yourself? And it's so easy to be nicer to others than it is to yourself quite often. And so you having to be in service forces you to say, well, why can't I be like that to myself? That's really hard work to turn the compassion on yourself. What what? And in, in therapy, if you do meditation or therapy, I know when I was in therapy, they would say, write a letter to yourself. And be nice to yourself, and you're like, oh, no, thanks. I'd rather, right? I'd rather do, maybe help others, but why would I do do it for myself? And so, when is that? How do you, um, how are you nice to yourself now? Meaning uh, through meditation? What other things do you do? And do learning how to speak to yourself. You said it took years and years. So I know now I'm asking you to condense it in like a minute, but.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And if I can't, then I'm not doing my job, you know, because I, (laughs) because, you know, these, these have to be (laughs) like captivating ideas, right. Uh, That, that make people interested in trying them. So I'll I'll do my best here. Um, Firstly, I would say that um, I like to challenge people in the hospitality world Mm -hmm. or the service world to say like, how, you know, are you being hospitable to yourself in Mm. that way too. Can you take your, your own capacity to care, which is there, it's really Mm. alive. It's active. That's just Mm. going outward. And can you turn it around uh, on the, the inward and it's, it's already there. That feeling is already there. All you have to do is change the directionality of it. Mm. And um, there's a practice where you can do that. um, That is a practice called a loving kindness, metabhavana. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with it, um, that is a really key, I think in my holy triumvirate of preparation practices for service, it's absolutely there. And it's my absolute lifeline, uh, where you, you sit down and you give yourself, um, kindness and goodwill, really simple kindness and goodwill, basic Mm -hmm. stuff that you'd want for Mm -hmm. yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to be safe. You want to be healthy. Mm -hmm. May I be happy? May I feel belonging? Simple stuff like that, and then you can start to give that same level of care to others, and it kind of completes the cycle of self, other care, which I think is just everything in service. So that really is important. That completely rewires uh, the brain into um, being much more uh, caring to self and other. Uh, it's it's a really powerful practice. So I'll start you there. Um, if you'd like to also know, um, basically a a phase disruption practice. I like to call it with self-compassion where you're, you're actually in a state of, of suffering and struggle. Um, and I, I use it at work a lot, uh, or just any situation where I'm triggered. Um, I made a mistake, something went wrong and I'm finding the first impulses to lash myself. And so you got to know what to do then. Do you want me to tell you?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm like waiting, of course, because not that, (laughs) let me just say, not that Kelly and I ever lash ourselves. I mean, I'll speak for Kelly right now. Never, ever. We're like, oh, it's a mistake. No problem. It's what people do. Totally joking. Lash ourselves all the time. So yes, please tell us. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. And uh, that's a really important aspect of uh, the self-compassion model Mm -hmm. actually is what's known as common humanity. Mm. Which means when you're struggling, the first thing you should do is acknowledge that other people are going to struggle with this as mm-hmm. well. Because the first um, impulse we have is uh, self-isolation, where we Ugh. think it's just me. Yes. yes. Everyone else has the script and I yeah. do.
0: Everyone, how how come everyone else can do it? Yeah. How come everyone else can do it? I can't do it. I'm the only one.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't know. And that's why they say, be kind to others for everyone is fighting a battle you cannot conceive of.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That you cannot know. And there's so much going on in people. And they might seem on the outside like pretty like cool and moderate mm-hmm. and uh, measured. And on the inside, there could be uh, all hell breaking loose. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, that's the case. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really good to remember every time like we feel like we're way behind everyone else. Um, and that, that's step one. Uh, step two, I'm sorry. Step one is acknowledging that it's happening. And this is really key for mindful anything. Meet it where it's at. No one does this. No one just says, this is happening. This is occurring right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recognize it. And that I'm a human being having this struggle. And it is absolutely normal and natural too. Mm. Rather than not liking that we're struggling with it. You know? Mm-hmm. Like what's the first thing people tell you when some something's bothering you? Don't let it bother you. Right, right. Calm down. Don't let it bother
0: you. Right. Yeah. We we decline we always, oh, I shouldn't say always, but we're often saying don't let it get to you, move on, calm down. You're absolutely right. That's, that's exactly what we say instead of saying, okay, well, what is it? And and hold it in your hand instead of crushing it, hold it and and acknowledge it.
2: Yeah. And that was the extent of the inner training I got working Mm -hmm. in the service industry from anyone teaching or mentoring me. Don't let it bother you. Move on. Be
0: resilient. move on, move on.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. How are you going to move on? How are you going to move on and and really serve someone else presently? If you don't know how to process what you just experienced Mm -hmm. in every other industry, they do it in every other industry. Well, not every other industry, um, but in a lot of industries um, like the medical industry, if they're going to bring mindfulness into work, they teach people to leave patients behind, like leave Mm -hmm. the previous patient behind. When I Mm -hmm. touch this door handle, I'm now here, you Mm -hmm. know, and I can, I'm going to shake this off, but first, first, I'll take you through the rest of self-compassion to, um, to, to just kind of fully work through everything. So you acknowledge that it's happening. And then you say to yourself, you say to yourself, what do I need right now? Like, why am I struggling? Cause if you're struggling with something, there's just a need that's been threatened or mm-hmm. unmet, right? Mm-hmm. Like just some fundamental need, mm-hmm. honor the need. It's good to have these needs. It's dignified. Every human being has these needs. And then you can say, may I give myself what I need? and you don't have to necessarily fulfill it maybe you can't in the moment so that's why it's really important to just honor that the needs there and and actually just doing that just expressing that intention and kindness towards yourself will ease so much of the intensity and you're doing that instead of speaking negatively to yourself it's just a complete switch of roles so you're you're essentially like hijacking the inner critic uh with with the like inner nurturer, you know, the inner parent that really cares for you. And, um, and eventually like this is like a really like step-by-step practice. Eventually this just becomes a feeling you bring to a situation. It's just, you know, like, boom, I'm struggling and I'm just going to automatically feel that like warm sense of care for myself that I would for a customer that I really want to please or, or Mm -hmm. someone close to me. Um, so that's, that's, that's basically um, the practice, uh, essentially. And, uh, and then you can, you can move on from there. It doesn't have to necessarily 100% work. But if it eases it a little bit, isn't that like transformative compared to like what you've normally been experiencing? Right,
0: right. Even just a few steps in the right direction versus, like you said, the same thing that you're doing that's probably not helping. And how you said hijacking that inner critic. So don't give that person the pole position, take that back. I'm going to be the inner caring person first before I'm the inner critic and to hijack that 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 position. What else you've just given us these amazing Uh, steps and actions for people to take, especially during this time, especially during 2020, the holidays are coming up. And uh, that is a lot of stress for people and reflection, especially the new year. What other kind of top two to three actions other in addition to what you've already said, would you offer to our listeners?
2: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about something that I think is where mindfulness and service intersect, like so fully that I couldn't keep them separate anymore. You know, and this is why um, I teach meditation and mindfulness as a means of cultivating the service mindset and making work, you know, a thriving place um, for people and, and companies. Uh, where you need to look at where your attention is going right mm-hmm. and cuz everything is attention and actually what service like uh, whether you're on the phone with someone whether you have a retail outlet or if you're going out to eat and you get a great review from somebody you served what might they say service was attentive right, right. you were you were present and your attention was going to all the right places mm-hmm. and and a masterful server knows where to put their attention at any given moment and they know what their attention is serving Right. Attention Mm -hmm. is energy. Like if it was Mm -hmm. like a precious, if it was like a precious metal I could buy and sell, I would invest in it because it's so Uh, precious, you uh know? (laughs) So I would say, um, nourish your attention, um, because all day you're going to be giving it away and all day you're going to be flinging it everywhere. And you're probably going to be forgetting about your own needs Mm -hmm. and you, you can't really divorce your, your own needs. From the service cycle. We've already been talking about that a bit, but I think a lot of people are self-sacrificing archetypes of either leaders or service professionals where they think I'm not really like doing this job and right unless I'm giving myself away entirely. Mm -hmm. So, or, or I'm just, I'm, I'm surrendering something, but what if like your needs and, and having them as part of this cycle actually enhances how much you can serve, not only because you're filling your tank, but because you know, like what's important and valuable to you and you can actually connect to others better because you're connected to your own needs. So, um, know where your attention's going and know your needs and how you can make this a practice is start your day by basically funding yourself with your attention. So before even looking at your phone and looking at emails and and just like giving yourself away to your phone as you would a customer, you know, like, like waving at you or, or trying to get your attention in some way, just start with like, how am I feeling right now? How does, how does my body feel? What are, what emotions are coming up? Start the day with mindfulness and see if you can actually do that rather than just like bringing your attention into whatever your mind's going to start telling you, you need to start worrying about or thinking about. See how much you can come back to that the moment you wake up, like literally the moment you open your eyes. And that'll create a habit mm-hmm. of being aware of yourself. Start with a meditation of some sort. And then um, afterwards, after that, um think about what's really valuable to you. What, what are you grateful for? People call this gratitude, and that can mm-hmm. sound fluffy to some. Mm-hmm. What's important mm-hmm. in, and that you could acknowledge in your life, uh, small and big. And then what would make the day great? And then set those intentions and then say, what would I need to like really actually believe about myself, um, in order for the day to become like this. And this is like a few minutes practice and then, and then go into the day and you've properly prepared yourself. I think for, I mean, the, the constant clawing at you that you're going to experience.
0: I, I just, when you said that the attention is a precious metal, I think that is so profound because it is, if we thought about it that way, if we thought of it was gold, we would be more protective of it. We wouldn't give it away, like you said, and filling your own tank. And it really, I think a lot of people, when they hear meditation, they think it's, oh, it's so difficult. I, I don't have 20 minutes. I don't have an hour. But what you just laid out is really just a few minutes In the morning, of just a couple questions you could ask yourself, and treat your attention and nourish yourself like this—it's gold. It's a metal. It's a precious metal. I think that's going to stick the most in my head. Of what a wonderful advice you've given to everyone, coaching you've given to everyone. I know Kelly. uh, Kelly has no problems, Kelly, with ever not being perfect. She lets all the mistakes just wash over her.
1: She's never concerned, right, Kel? (laughs) <laughs> not an issue at all. No, not a problem for me. No. Uh, and, 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 and Stefan, that's where I think what I've taken away from everything you've shared is how intentional this practice is. And like anything, whenever you're trying something new, it can, it's, it's new and it is often probably very uncomfortable to the point where it's probably very easy to give up to just say, oh, this isn't working." But it's well documented that it takes at least, you know, 21 days to develop a new habit. So with that intentionality behind it, with a lot of the tools that you have have, you know, very nicely outlined in terms of nourishing your attention, acknowledging what's important, showing gratitude, and and being first and foremost kind to yourself, you can you can truly then come into your own and 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 tackle the things within yourself that you want. So one of my questions that I have for you is what is the biggest surprise um, in your practice in what you learned about yourself after having taken this journey in mindfulness and meditation?
2: Mm-hmm. Ah, good one, good one. What is the biggest surprise I've learned about myself? Um, I guess you can say my path uh, doesn't involve uh, greater... Happiness full stop it actually involves a greater embrace and capacity for discomfort, and underneath that discomfort what's it's embraced is an even deeper and richer and fuller happiness mm. uh, that that again doesn't stop at happiness it just it's just basically like me opening a little more capacity for uh for the next challenge because actually, if I wanted to live and kind of just like soak in that nice place. And I kind of felt that in the beginning of meditating, like, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think I got this. Um, <laughs> I begin to feel this kind of agitation, like I'm I'm not um, putting myself out there a- as much as I should. And, and that comes down to, actually it comes down to service, it comes down to, I am not doing as much as I can to serve. I'm just kind of remaining uh, safe. And um, in a way, really serving, there's just an element of danger to it you know again the courage factor comes in there's going to be discomfort I'm going to potentially make mistakes I'm going to learn something and maybe not fully like 100% apply it as well as I can and I'm going to have to be able to to deal with that discomfort and kind of meeting the discomfort rather than soaking in the happiness has been everything for me and and far more deeply fulfilling
1: Mm, I love that Meeting the discomfort rather than soaking in the happiness because a lot of people want to sort of numb out, tune out to what's going on. And especially in the times that we've been facing, it's just been one challenge after the other um, in 2020. And so I think there's many people who are looking for something just to kind of anesthetize themselves from what's going on. And really the intentionality of the practice that you've just described is, I think, a really great perspective because it's not saying I'm going to go to a happy place and that's solely where I'll be existing. It's saying no that you are able to tackle challenges, but in a way that allows for you to address them, as opposed to pretending that they don't exist or ignoring them until it re- reaches a pitch that you can't now ignore it anymore. So um, it's a it's a great uh, that's a great outlook. Thank you for sharing.
2: Could I add to that really quickly? Sure,
1: absolutely, please. You
2: are going to be. Uh, I realized I didn't add this. I think it's key to stitch everything we were talking about together. Yeah, um, you're more likely going to be able to meet discomfort. If you know that you're going to be kind to yourself when you're feeling those challenges, that was actually, I would say an even bigger aspect of the surprise. Cause I think I have this like Protestant, (laughs) like, uh, (laughs) industrialized kind of view of, of life as like, I have to like, I have to hate myself and be hard on myself in order to be motivated. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually kindness was the most motivating thing I could bring into my life, life, self-kindness. So say that one
1: more time. You're more likely going to meet the discomfort if...
2: You know that you're going to be kind to yourself throughout the process of the challenge, throughout the process of the discomfort. Mm -hmm. Because we actually probably avoid things and avoid challenges because we know how hard on ourselves we're going to be. Mm -hmm. Not because the challenge is going to be overwhelming, because we're going to be overwhelming. So the kindness aspect knows that we're actually going to be our support system through the challenge rather than the, uh, the whip cracker. And that actually takes... For me, anyway, it took basically the approach anxiety out of it almost entirely. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I I love that. That's why I I wanted you to share it twice because I think that is, you know, one of those light bulb moments for people. Um, Because kindness can be such a powerful motivator for so many to, you know, random acts of kindness, things like that. So um, when you know that you can meet that, that, um, discontentment with kindness that's it's tremendous thank you that's a a, a a wonderful way of summing it up so thank you for sharing a second time with us really appreciate it
2: absolutely you're very welcome
1: yeah and again if you are interested in connecting with Stefan and in learning more about the practices that he offers and um, hearing more about his meditation practice um, his uh, his training as a mindfulness coach and his uh, content creation in wellness, please reach out to, to Stefan, uh, at LinkedIn at Stefan Revali, and we'll make sure to incorporate his contact information in our show notes. Again, thank you, Stefan so much for joining our podcast, for sharing your story and your, um, tremendous insight with us today. We appreciate you.
2: You're so welcome. It's been a huge privilege to talk to you guys and uh, really a great time. I had fun.
1: And we had fun with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abraci Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.